Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. Pastor James is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. Good morning, everyone. So, someone played doorbell ditch on me last night at my house. Went to the door and expecting like a grub hub for my son or something. He orders grub food sometimes, shows up at the door. Open the door, no one there. And I was like, I can't believe it. So I had to go walking out and check out things. I was in my PJs. Can't imagine the neighbors. What is that old man doing outside? But you know, I played that as a kid. Anybody played that as a kid? It could get you killed today, I'm telling you right now. Don't play doorbell ditch. Some, it may have been one of y'all last night, and I, I was armed. No, I wasn't armed. I just kidding. So the rain must be doing weird things. I was driving to church today, this morning, 55 miles an hour on Mohawk, and I saw a guy walking along the busy road carrying on his shoulder a toilet. I am not kidding, not anything else, not, no backpack, nothing going on. The guy, you know, the white thing with the, the seat and the tank and everything on the guy's shoulder, just perched right there, walking along Mohawk. Talk about a porta potty. <laughs> I've been saving that one for a while. Peter and John had been threatened by the religious leaders. What a segue. Instead of being fretful and fearful, they started praying. How many of you know that's a good solution when you're fearful or fretful? Call a prayer meeting. And if there's nobody there, just pray yourself. And here is some of what they prayed, Acts 4.27. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. We've been speaking on the sovereignty of God, how God is in control. It's been awesome to see what God has done at Asbury University, and it's spreading along other college campuses throughout the United States. I mean, you know, that's a sovereign move of God. We can't, we can't make that up. We can't manufacture that. That's, that's God. He has decided. All we can do is prepare for it. We prepare for revival with a few things. One, repentance. Second thing is prayer. Third thing is worship. We have a mindset of that and and we continue with that faithfully. God will move. And so God had decided beforehand what would happen, verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness because Peter and John had been threatened. And where are we? Oh, verse 30, yeah. Stretch out your hand to heal and to perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. That's a service I'd love to be a part of. So our theme is stretch out your hand to heal. Let's study this statement, stretch out your hand, because it's used in several places throughout the Bible. And this phraseology is an anthropomorphism. Yeah, I looked it up. Anthropomorphism, I had to even practice saying it. 
And what that is, is attributing human characteristics and qualities to God. In other words, we realize God does not have a literal hand per se. Jesus said, he is spirit, God is spirit. However, the hand of God is used poetically and symbolically throughout the Bible. And so let's look at this in Easton's Bible Dictionary. It says, the hand of God is the symbol of his power. It's being upon one denotes favor or punishment. The hand of God can bring blessing or consequences. Depending on the situation, having the hand of God on you can be a good thing or a bad thing. We want it to be a good thing. We're going to look today at some good things with the hand of God. The earliest mention in the Bible of God stretching out his hand was when God called Moses to tell Pharaoh to let God's people go. Now, Moses was 80 years old when God called him to return to Egypt. Remember, when he was 40, he was ready for the calling. He was all fired up. He was ready to roll, but he was not ready spiritually. He killed an Egyptian and tried to cover it up, and he had to run for his life. And so the first 40 years, he thought he was the man of God. The next 40 years, he did not think God could use him again. How many know God is the God of the second chance and the third chance and fourth chance? Bless God. And so Moses is now 80. He's ready. Wouldn't that be interesting if we wouldn't let people be pastors until they're 80? Might be a good thing. I don't know. I'm getting there. I'm getting close to 60, and that is freaking me out. I'm telling you right. It's just freaking me out. Thank you. A couple years to go yet. So God shows up. Moses is in the back end of the wilderness being a shepherd. He was a prince of Egypt, and now he's a shepherd. I mean, no, God didn't need a prince. He needed a shepherd. He needed, for his people, they didn't need a king. They needed a shepherd. And Moses, through 40 years of breaking and suffering and struggling in the wilderness, went from being a prince to being a shepherd, and that's what God needed for his people. You see, Moses at 40 would not have been a good leader for the people, would not have been a good leader. He'd been too full of himself. He may even hurt the people. God had to break him in 40 years to make him a shepherd. You know, I realize that God has not necessarily called me to be a great leader, but I know he has called me to be a good shepherd. And that's what we need most, I believe, in the church today. Moses didn't want to go. God shows up, says, Moses, it's time. And Moses didn't want to go. How many know that most leaders God chose in the Bible were reluctant leaders? Rarely did God choose anybody that says, I'm your man, I'm your woman. But it was those that didn't want to take the position it's interesting that it's, it's in many occasions from Moses to Gideon to Saul to Jeremiah to Jonah, God picked people others would have overlooked. God prepares his people a different way than the world does. And God's way is to wait till people that don't feel like they're ready to call them, now's the time. When you're no longer confident in yourself and taking matters into your own hands, because that's what Moses did. He got ahead of God. He took matters in his own hands. God didn't tell him to kill that Egyptian. God didn't tell him to bury him in the sand like a cat in a litter box. It wasn't the time. 
And so he had to go through God's, God's uh, university of the wilderness. Before God uses people, he often brings them through that school, the school of the desert, the wasteland. And so God has always been this way when he chooses leaders. He chooses people who don't think they're ready or capable because that way they'll depend upon God and not themselves and their own charisma and their own gifts and their own talents. And so it's always been God's way. And it continues to be. Look at 1 Corinthians 1.26 in the Message Bible. Take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you. Well, thanks, Paul. That's just real encouraging. None too bright among you. Not many influential, not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses? God chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies. That makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. Verse 30, everything that, ha- that we have, right thinking and right living, a clean slate and a fresh start, comes from God by way of Jesus Christ. That's why we have the saying, if you're going to blow a horn, blow a trumpet for God. Amen. It's a, f- a fresh paraphrase of that passage. Most of these hesitant heroes in the Bible needed some reassurance. You know, Gideon did his, you know, he, he put the fleece before God and God make the fleece wet and the ground dry and God did it. And he said, okay, God make the, the fleece dry and the ground wet and God did it. And, and, and everybody keeps trying to push off the call of God. And Moses needed that encouragement. He made all sorts of excuses, but God didn't buy it. He claimed he wasn't a good speaker and that he stuttered. God said, fine, your brother Aaron will speak on your behalf. How many know the Lord has an answer for every one of our excuses? And we we do have excuses. I've had excuses. There's things God called me to do I did not want to do, and I could offer up my excuses, but for every excuse, God has an answer. And God later said this to inspire and encourage Moses, Exodus 7, 5. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. And so by this we know, number one, God stretches out his hand to deliver. The Lord was going to bring his people out of bondage and abuse and captivity. If you've ever been in bondage or captivity... Try it for over 400 years, because that's what happened with the Israelites. The time was now, and how many know when God has spoken something, it's going to happen? And nothing can stop the mighty hand of God. That's why he stretched out his hand. Not even the king of the greatest nation on the earth at that time. Pharaoh was the greatest king of the world. And even this mighty king could not stop the hand of God. Do you need God to deliver you from something? Do you need him to set you free? Maybe if we're held captive by sin or addiction or fear, or or perhaps the other extreme of legalism, pride, and self-righteousness. How many know we can be held captive by self-righteousness? So if there's anything in your life that you need to be set free from, God's hand can do it. 
Ask the Lord to stretch out his hand to deliver you. Ask the Lord. If if there's anything you're struggling with, if something has a hold on you, a grip on you, you feel captive to this, whatever it may be, cry out to God and say, God, stretch out your hand to deliver me. Make that your prayer until you're free. There is no king, no nation, no power greater than your God. No addiction is greater. No fear is greater than God Almighty. And we have to stir ourselves up just like God's people did. It's hard when we're going out into new territory. When God is leading us through the valley of the shadow of death. That's not a place we want to go or stay. But this is why it's so important that we lean on his hand and we believe that his hand will deliver us and set us free. After miraculously passing through the Red Sea, isn't it interesting all God said would happen came true? And the drowning of the Egyptian army, Moses and his sister Miriam wrote a song. Why not? You know, they've been through the 10 plagues. And then they came up to the Red Sea, and everybody's freaking out. They're going to die, ready to... I mean, Moses just got started on his job. You know, it's still... He's on probation still on his job. He's done the ten plagues, and now he's the, the, he comes to the Red Sea, and the people are ready to kill him. They're so upset at him. How'd you, why'd you bring us out here to die? Egyptian army's bearing down on them. And so you know the story, Moses stretches out his staff and the waters part and they walk through on dry land and then Pharaoh's army tries to follow and the water caves in and they all die, they all drown. And so Moses and Miriam saying, you know what, I'm feeling some rhythm. Got the beat. And they start thinking, bebopping a little bit and say, hey, we ought to write a song. Isn't that what you do? I'm telling you, A song is a way to remember what God has done. I want you to understand that when you sing in praise and worship at church or by yourself or wherever it may be, there's something about that. It's more than just hearing it or reading it, but when we sing it, it calls back to remembrance all those things that God has done. It's why people are are so uh, possessive of a certain song sometimes. You know, we, because we remember what God did when we needed that song. It comes back to us, the memory of God's great power. And so this is part of that song. It was a, it was a top 40 right here. Here it is. Moses and Miriam singing. Verse 12, Exodus 15, 12. Speaking to God, you stretched out your right hand and the earth swallowed them. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. Here is that same phrase of God stretching out his hand. However, this time it includes the right hand of God. Sometimes it just says the hand of God, but the other other times it says the right hand of God. Because this had meaning, the right and the left hand had meaning in that day. Look at the Evangelical Dictionary of Biblical Theology talks about this. The hand of God, and especially the right hand, is also understood as a place of salvation, refuge, and protection. It is the favored position. 
And so not only is the hand of God reaching out, but the right hand of God to bring you favor, to give you protection, his mighty right hand. And what does that do for us? Number two, God stretches out his hand to love. His love never fails. This is what Moses and Miriam were singing about, that God's in your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. Why did God set them free? Because he loved them. God is motivated by his love. I heard Judson Cornwell say one time that man was not created to love God, but man was created so God would have someone to love. Now, we are created to love God, but that's not all. Primarily, God wanted someone to love. Isn't that awesome? That your God wanted to love you. That's why you're here today. That's why God has set you free. That's why I've called you, because you can't get around the love of God. Old Testament, New Testament is all about his unfailing love, which is a Hebrew word called hesed. And it's also translated loving kindness, because there's no English word to totally define this word hesed, which is the love of God, the favor of God, the kindness, the everlasting love of God. You know, sometimes people feel unloved by God. You know, I taught a whole series years ago at another church on the love of God. And I was amazed at how many people responded and said, Pastor, I've needed this because I've struggled with believing God could love me. It's not that they doubt God. They doubt themselves worthy. Because of that, they they don't see how God could love them. And I have to admit, there are times I've even felt that way. Not that God is incapable of love, because he, he is love. He's not just loving. He is the definition of love. But because I don't feel worthy. In the book, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland, he speaks of this. He says, this was written for those of us who know God loves us, but suspect we have deeply disappointed him. This is for those who have told others of the love of Christ, yet wonder if, as for us, he harbors mild resentment. Boy, that's, that's powerful. We, we can tell other people, God loves you. You just got to receive the love of God all the while we're struggling, wondering, God, can you love me? Is there, have I fallen short? Have I disappointed you in some way? And we have to understand that first and foremost, God is love. He loves to forgive. He loves you. But I will tell you that we will be hindered in our walk with God if we do not receive the fullness of his love. Our our walk will be hindered if we can't accept what God has for us. And a lot of times it's because of what we've been through or what we've done or how we feel about ourselves. And I want you to know it's not about how you feel about yourselves, but it's what God has said in his word that is true. And so in those moments where you may feel unworthy, guess what? None of us are worthy. That's what makes it so awesome. God doesn't love us because we've earned it. He loves us because he's God, and God is love. I believe there may be people here today that struggle believing that. Not that God loves them, but how could God love them? More than anything, the devil wants you to feel like God doesn't love you. 
more than anything. He always tries to subvert the work of God by questioning his character. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and the serpent was trying to get them to eat the fruit, the serpent doubted, put doubt in their hearts. Did God really say, is what the serpent said. And that put doubt in the hearts of Adam and Eve. And that's what Satan is saying to you and me today. Did God really say? And we need to say, yes, he did. And quote the scripture right at him. When Satan tried to twist scripture with Jesus, Jesus brought the scripture right back at him. Not only does God stretch out his hand in love, God stretches out his hand to guide Moses saying, in your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. Day by day, we need to ask for God's guidance in our lives. How many know it's easy to get lost in this world? Man, there's so many things that are messed up, that are so wrong. And if we're not careful, we'll we'll be lost in the midst of all this. It's why we need to hold on to the hand of God. Do you remember when your kids were little and you're about to cross the street, what's the first thing you did? You grabbed their hand. It's a little different when they're 30 and you grab their hand. Because <laughs> now they're watching out for you. <laughs> I thought, oh, this is kind. They love me. No, they're just afraid I'm going to get lost. <laughs> and so we need to grab hold the hand of God. Israel wandered in the wilderness because they would not take the hand of God. They kept complaining. They kept disobeying instead of just taking God's hand because they saw all the negatives of the wilderness and it blinded them from the blessings of the promised land. If we focus too much on this world and the things that are wrong, it'll blind us to the promises of God that he has before us. Take his hand. And we do that by believing and standing on his word. That's how you take the hand of God, is you put your hand in his word and proclaim it with your mouth, and he will guide you. Before God can guide us, however, we must first give up control. We don't don't want to take the hand of God. We want to do this on our own. But the reality is, look what's happened We've gotten lost. We've messed. Every time I've tried to help God, I've messed it up. And so it's time to surrender and say, God, I don't know what's ahead, but you do. I just trust in you. I just take your hand and guide me through this wilderness because there are dangerous places ahead that we need God's guidance. Another mention of the outstretched hand of God is found in Psalms 138, verse 7. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. There it is again, the reference to God's right hand. Number four, God stretches out his hand to save. God will save us when we walk in the midst of trouble. Because how many know Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. It's a promise. But take heart, I've overcome the world. That's the good news, the second part of that. 
Yes, there will be trouble. No, no one's exempt, even believer or unbeliever alike. There's trouble in this life, but it's much better for the believer because take heart, he has overcome the world. He will save us from the anger of our foes. Yes, there are those that are working against us, but remember the Lord says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. The enemy is working against us, and so we need to take it to the enemy. And so God, when we call upon him, when we're in the midst of trouble, when there's people angry with us, our foes are against us, our enemies have mounted against us, we ask him to stretch out his hand. And not only does he save us, God is mighty to save. Look at Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is with you, Emmanuel. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. Oh, there's another quality of his love, bringing peace and tranquility. He will rejoice over you with what? Singing. Get this. God sings. Is that the coolest thing? You read the you read in Psalms, God laughs. Sometimes we think God's all stoic and everything, but I know I've told a few jokes that made God laugh. I know just me makes God laugh. Me being me. But what's so amazing that God sings over you. When my children were little, each one of them I had a worship song that I would sing to, over them at, before they went to bed. And they always asked for that song before they would go to bed. And I would sing over them. And I'm telling you, there's just, there's just something powerful about that. I encourage you, sing over your children when they're little especially. And when they're 30, it might be a little weird. But uh, <laughs> when they're little. And know this, God sings over you. He rejoices over you with singing. God sings. God saves. God delivers. Which do you need today? Would you bow your heads with me? I want to pray for you with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you have never accepted Jesus as your Savior, he's ready to take your hand. If you're ready for a new life, if you're looking for eternal life in heaven, you can receive that today by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. If you want to give your heart to Jesus, you want to give him your life, or maybe you've been a Christian, but you know you're not where you're supposed to be. You got off the path. Well, I got good news for you. He'll let you come home. He will guide you back on the right path. And so if you want to accept Christ or you want to return to the Lord, would you just lift up your hand today? Amen. Anyone else? Yes. Yes. Anyone else? Any other hands? Praise God. Amen. You can put your hands down. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. And fellow believers, would you join with me in this prayer so they know they're not alone? And so if you raise your hand today, that's your step of faith. And God's going to answer that. You stretched out your hand to God. Now he's going to stretch out his hand to you.
So if you raise your hand, or even if you are afraid to, but you want to give your life to Jesus, I invite you just to pray and repeat after me. Church, will you join us? Dear Jesus, I believe. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Please forgive me. Come into my heart and life and make me a new person. I repent of my sin. I turn away from my old life and I reach out for your hand. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, God is singing over you. The angels are having a celebration in heaven, it says. So I just invite you, if you prayed that prayer, would you take the card in front of you and just put your name and information on there, drop it in the offering boxes so we can follow up with you. We've got some great ministries for you. We're gonna have a new believers class starting up. If you're a baby Christian or you're searching, this is a place for you. Or at the end of the service, you can come forward and pray with one of the elders and you can give them that information. It's important if you prayed that prayer to tell somebody. The Bible says that it's the word of our testimony. So we need to tell a friend, a neighbor, or somebody, an elder, somebody in the foyer, someone walking along the street, be careful of that if they're carrying a toilet. (laughs) But tell somebody that you gave your life to Christ. It's a new journey and you're going to just buckle up because it's a it's blessed. It's scary sometimes, but that's why your God has stretched out his hand. I just also want to pray for those of you, and I'm not asking for a showing of hands. You need to be delivered from some kind of bondage. It can be an addiction. It can be fear. It can be anxiety. It can be depression. There are so many ways that Satan tries to put us in bondage. But I'm here to tell you the mighty hand of God will set you free. And maybe you're here today and you you doubt God's love for you. You don't doubt it for anybody else. You you can proclaim the love of God for someone else. But for for you, for some reason, there's a question. I want to pray for you today that you would receive his love. Maybe you need guidance in your life. Reach out your hand to his. And he will save. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. You are mighty to save Jesus. God, I thank you that you reached out your hand to every one of us and pulled us out of the miry clay. We were stuck in a pit of sin and unbelief and doubt and confusion. And you reached out your hand and you drew us out of that to give us a new life, to make us a new creation. But Lord, if there's anything still holding on, any of that mud and grime still holding on, Lord, set us free by your mighty hand. And God, if we doubt your love for a moment, if we struggle because of our own insecurity, I just pray, God, that we would throw it aside and just say, I'm going to receive God's love. I know I'm not worthy, but I'm going to bask in it. I'm going to live in it. I'm going to dwell in it. I'm going to confess that God loves me because it's his love that sets me free and gives me power over this world, knowing that I am loved by an almighty God, gives me courage and strength to make it through each day. That nothing, the Bible says in Romans, nothing can take us away from your love. Famine or sword or nakedness, nothing can take us from your love. So we receive it and we surrender control.
In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. The elders are coming at this time. If anyone needs prayer, the altars are open as well. If we can keep most of our conversation to the foyer, that would be great. Hope to see you tonight. You've been listening to Bakersfield First Assembly's weekly broadcast. BFA is located on the corner of California and Marilla Way. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in person and online on Facebook and YouTube. For more information, check out our website, bakersfieldfirst.com, or download our app from the App Store.